The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We got sunshine, I think. So uh, there is sunshine. Somewhat good. There is no of that. There is none of that nasty white stuff falling from the sky. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the last time we talked. We were in the middle of like seven days of constant rain and drizzle and somewhat miserable, crappy weather. It wasn't terribly cold, but cold enough to bother me anyway. But it's nice to see the sun and. Maybe we'll get a little bit of warm. A little bit of warm would be an awesome thing. <laughs> um, a, there's a lot of people who are in warm seats, and one of them who's just kind of exited one. Uh, oh, yeah. A <laughs> couple more guys who are warming up their place in history, and uh, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff to talk about that's going to impact the trade deadline, and I... I can't wait to dive in. Um, I mean, there's one upsetting story, and we absolutely have to talk about that. Uh, And a couple of suspensions that uh, both of us have talked about in passing recently. Where do you want to start? Let's let's do a little bit of review then. So kick off kick off things with a quick talk about how um, well the bean pot was entertaining, but. Uh, due to, I don't know, technical issues, as they love to say in TV back when I was a kid, I missed the consolation game of the Bean Pot. You were there, however. Uh, me and about uh, five. No, it was slightly more than 500, but um, <laughs> literally not even one in 15 seats in the garden was filled, which I honestly think is a shame uh, because I think the teams might actually show up and play a little bit harder because quite frankly, it was a terrible game. From what you, from what you told me, it sounded like, yeah, Harvard decided that it wasn't worth showing up or they pushed the bus again or because we've seen them do that in the past last year with the NC in the NCAA tournament. Was it, or was it last year? Yes. Last year's NCAA tournament in, they pushed the bus to New Hampshire. Yeah. It, it, It was, it was pretty much garbage hockey. Um, and I, I know it's not the championship game, but if you're, if you're, if you're showing up with that little effort, just forfeit the game and don't even bother getting dressed. Um, I, I don't know how stuff like that happens. Um, because it's not like there were two or three guys on the ice going full speed and added every single shift. I there there were there were times that I probably could have laid down on the ice uh, in BC zone and had no fear of interfering with Harvard's play. Okay, uh, I don't remember what the final score was. I, I want to say it was like six to two or something like that. And BC, yeah. of course, and 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 I expected that BC was going to win anyway, but I. Expected more of a fight from Harvard. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we get to the championship game, and this is where the entertainment starts, the building was rowdy, pretty full. 
Uh, I don't believe sellout is the right word because there were seats of there were seats visible. However, when it's two uh, two colleges uh, in close proximity to each other and you put them into a stadium, put a lid on it, um, shake it up and see what comes out. Yeah, that was uh, entertaining. It was a fun night. It, whether you were and I'm sure the BU fans were unhappy going home. Uh, Northeastern won the game. It has to be said that there's something for uh, symmetry because BU won their way into the championship game with a double overtime with about five and a half minutes left in the second overtime. Yep. And Northeastern decided that they were going to follow the same path. Uh, and, most, and, although <laughs> Northeastern had been ahead most of the game and... But once again, but once again, BU fought their way back. BU, yeah, BU is a very scrappy team, and I think that this year they're learning a lot, and next year they're going to be downright frightening. I I think Albie O'Donnell needs some consideration. I'm not talking for NHL job, not yet, no. But Albie O'Donnell needs. I don't know if they have a coach of the year in, in. in, in college, and he wouldn't get it anyway, but I think some people need to stop and take a look because clearly he had solid game plans in place for both of them. Yes, he didn't win the championship, so it wasn't a perfect game plan, but the way he was able to, and and we had some listeners point out to Eric, uh, one of our uh, one of followers on Twitter, who's pointing out, and, and how Albie O'Donnell was able to collapse down his his team and and force everything to the perimeter and in the first period of the championship game they were doing the same thing northeastern was didn't get a sniff on net zone entries were terrible if they existed at all it wasn't until the second period that uh, they were able to make a course correction and and put the pressure on and then bu took a couple of dumb penalties and whether you're a, a, a homer or, or unbiased, or that there were consistency abounds in officiating in there, at every level. The, so the consistency was literally terrible in that game. It was. Uh, I if if you're a if you're a BC fan, a BU fan, a Northeastern fan, a Harvard fan, and you watched that game and didn't see your team get away with at least three things. You're lying. Uh, if you're, if you didn't see at least uh, at least a couple of things that didn't seem to be actual penalties but were called anyways, you're you're also lying. Um, <laughs> okay, but you still have to take advantage of uh, of it when you're on the when you're on the uh, power play. You still have to you still have to kill the penalty when something goes against you. I think the one thing that I disagreed with was Albie O'Donnell. I, I understand why he did it. He needed to somehow affect and change the momentum. He needed to light some kind of a spark. And, and they don't do fighting in college like they do in the NHL as far as that spark. So he did the only thing that I think was really available to him, and that was to change out the goalie. Of the four goals that were scored on Ashton Abel, Two, possibly three of them, uh, were not his fault. 
he couldn't see them. And that's what what happened. One of the changes in the second period was that the zone entries were better for Northeastern and they were getting the pucks. They were getting bodies in front of the net. They were getting pucks on net. And clearly, because they only had five shots in the first period, uh, but they were getting bodies in front of Abel. He couldn't see them. The first two goals, he didn't have a clue. Yeah. The third They're... one was on him because it went under the armpit, and he had he had a line of sight. He That one was on him. The fourth one was a power play goal. I think he was partially screened, so I'm not, I'm not ready to fully absolve him of that one, but I, I think... Pulling him was more of a, a got to do something to shake it up. Probably should have called a timeout somewhere oh, around the second or third goal. After the second goal. Like, call that timeout, let everyone take 30 seconds and just exhale, um, get their focus back, uh, remind them what they've done to get to the championship game, uh, and and move on from there. Then, then if the goaltending is shaky, you move you move forward. That being said, Tucker came in and did a really good job. Only gave up one more goal after that. Although in the third, I think Northeastern uh, either BU got back to what they were doing in the first period, and I think it was a combination. But once again, BU scrappy as all. Albie gets him in the locker room. Uh, maybe sticks uh, uh, an appendage up their rear ends and breaks it off. Um, but they come back out in the third period and they're fighting again. And suddenly Northeastern is struggling, not as mightily as they were in the first, but they were struggling to get pucks in, in deep and, and zone entries. I also think that there was a little bit of, they were kind of playing back more defensively. BU and, scores in the last 1.2 seconds of the game. <laughs> and from the looks of it, by late in the game, Northeastern, their conditioning was not as high as BU's. I would inc- uh, I would be inclined to agree there as well. The, the, Albie either has them running the Herbies uh, that Herb Brooks did uh, during the 1980 Olympics or, uh, or he just harps on it because they were – I believe they were better in better condition. They were skating toward the end of that third period. They were they were skating rings around the northeastern players. Either that or northeastern. And then in the like the five minute overtime, that was I mean all BU northeastern survived that literally. Um, and I would say even except for the goal that went in, if you just looked at the last thirty total ice time minutes of the game, you would assume that BU was going to win. I thought they were going to pull it out again. I'll be honest. I thought they were going to do it. It was really entertaining. I uh, had a lot of fun. And, and the two of us were up in the uh, up in the Raptors club uh, with a great many Northeastern fans, and they were clearly into the game. Oh, yeah. With varying levels of hockey knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> so... My recommendation: be Beanpot comes the Beanpot comes around next year. Yeah, get there. Yeah. Get tickets. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it's one of the it's one of the great local attractions. Tickets are not hugely expensive. They're not NHL cost or anything like that. 
and you still get all the amenities of the garden. Um, it's a it's a beautiful thing, and the atmosphere is just. Uh, I did loud. The schools clearly express their distaste for each other. <laughs> Although some tells me at the end of it all, they're all still buddies in the in. But during during those four games, there it, are yeah. no friends. <laughs> yeah, no. Stay in on the ice or in the stands, and the chanting back and forth is constant and. When one, they're trying to outdo each other. Uh, at one point, Northeastern started chanting something, and the BU band kicked in just to shut them up. <laughs> yeah, it was, it is fun to watch. Get there. Uh, and that being said, we need to move on. Uh, I think we need to talk about the serious issue. Yeah. Um, Only because it is, and it's happened recently. Uh, and it has, it, it, oddly, it has a local impact, or at least implications as well. Um, as most of you know, Jay Bo Meester, who has played in the past for the Florida Panthers and the Calgary Flames, uh, collapsed during a game uh, for the St. Louis Blues. Um, full cardiac arrest. Uh, it was... It was a scary situation. Uh, the personnel in the arena, the various doctors, first responders, they literally did everything right with all the precision anyone could hope for. Um, and it, uh, from all the updates that I've seen, uh, he is recovering uh, as expected. Um, and this is a man. This is a guy who had a long Iron Man streak in the NHL. Yeah, um, he's played 1,200 games. It wasn't until I mean he went and in, into like his ninth or so NHL season before he managed to get um, even into the NHL playoffs. Uh, a couple of pretty awful years were six and out, and then last year he manages to win a Stanley Cup. Um, make no mistake about it, though. Jay Bomeister is a really, really good defenseman. Um, there were times in his career where it would not be a stretch or even a mistake to call him an elite defenseman. Um, but right now, it, it's got to be all about his health and his family. I, I think for me, the. The, the 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 real bright spot was the way all of the medical staff and first responders respond. It, it wasn't just it wasn't just the St. Louis medical team show. It was St. Louis got there, Anaheim got there. Sport brings a lot of things together, but there are some things that transcend it. And situations like this, clearly, that's what's needed. And the way everybody came together. And just you can see his teammates screaming. Alex Petrangelo standing behind him. Get over, get over. Nobody wasted time. Nobody stopped and 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 waited to see if he sat back up. I mean, it was instantaneous. You couldn't see him behind the bench the way he collapsed over. So we don't know. But there was nobody was moving it in in a slow speed on that. 
and the the reaction of both medical teams and getting him out of there. It is it was good to hear that he was doing well on on the Wednesday following the game. I haven't I, seen any additional updates. They haven't done anything since then except to announce the uh, that they're going to replay the game. Yeah, well, they're going to. I don't know if they're going to. Well, the game was delayed because obviously people were highly distracted and pretty upset. I would, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have been able to play after that. I think that was the right move. If they tried to get those players back on the ice for both teams, I don't think anybody would have been focused on the game. There's no way in hell. So postponing the game was the clear and obvious thing to do. But uh, in the article that you, 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 you sent me here, the article you posted, it says that they're, they're going to start at 1-1 but play a full 60 minutes. Uh, that's an odd thing to do, but okay. Uh, the, the article has a... Uh, there's two tweets in this article. One of them is Jeremy Rutherford said that Petrangelo says last night after the game, he went to the hospital. We FaceTimed and Bo had his op- and Bo had his opportunity to see everybody. It made everybody a lot better to see he was in good hands. And then Jesse Granger tweeted out Armstrong said he's been in contact with the NHL about rescheduling the game. He said they're working on it and will play the game. When they do, it will start with a 1-1 score and play a full 60 minutes. There was 7 minutes and 50 seconds left in the first period, and the score was 1-1. So they're not going to take away anybody's goals. They're not going to affect anybody's statistics, individual statistics, but they're going to give them a chance to play a full 60-minute game. I can I accept. I actually I can deal with sense. that. Yeah, uh, that makes sense then. Um, although it will be fascinating to see the uh, minute totals for people who are at 30 minutes or so, or um, I'm I'm glad that he's recovering. Wish it hadn't happened. Um, but uh, a, a link to the local link is that Charlie McAvoy, of course, missed some time uh, going back. I believe it was last year. Maybe it was the year before because he had. He had some heart issues, not quite this serious, obviously, um, but it does make you wonder how long someone who starts with a with a heart issue at that age can continue to play um, and how safe it is for them to continue to play and put in the heavy training that it requires to be a professional athlete. But as far as we know, Jay Bo Meester was never died. We now know that. McAvoy has that has a diagnosis of, of uh, some sort of a cardiac issue. Yes, uh, I was not and aware of Jay Bobeister having any kind of diagnosis of that. No, I I don't think he was. I mean, again, the man has played almost thirteen hundred regular season games, and his uh, his Ironman streak was was multiple seasons in a row. Um, I mean, just the 05 through 11, 12 seasons, he played all 82 games. All 82 games in, in, in any NHL season, particularly for a guy who blocks as many shots as he does, is an accomplishment. Uh, it, it's not just 
No, I'm not going to argue with you there. I mean, at 1,300 games is impressive in, at, at any stand, at, at any state of your career. I mean, whether it's early, late, the whole. I mean, 1,300 games is ridiculous. The length of time. So I thoughts and prayers from here, us here at the uh, at the forecheck go out to Jay, his family, his friends, the St. Louis Blues. Uh, quick and speedy recovery, but. Don't rush it back. Take the time you need. Get it done right. And we hope to see you again on the ice. Soon. Sooner uh, rather than later, because talent like that, yeah, you like to watch. Um, even if the Blues aren't my team per se, uh, that team has a lot of players I do like and respect. Uh-huh. And with him, they have a better chance of repeating um, than without him. Uh, from him, uh, why don't we jump to the other defenseman uh, on our board today? Certainly. Tori Krug. Oh, <clears throat> see, there's a third defenseman on our board that you skipped over, but that's all right. We'll get to him later. We'll get to him later. Uh, Tori Krug, who is somehow still unsigned by the Boston Bruins and scheduled to become a UFA uh, July 1st. You're not uh, trying to say anything there, are you? No. I felt like there was a little bit of a, I don't know, something like a, a hint or something. Oh, you're, yes, I do actually like Tori Krug's play, yeah. Oh, okay, I was thinking more along the lines of the signing part. You know, I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Tori Krug, who is unsigned and will be a free agent, and somewhere in there that's a terrible thing, especially here in um, Boston. Has scored. Uh, he's, the, he's the 10th defenseman in Bruins history, a team, one of the original six, 90-plus uh, years old franchise. Just the 10th defenseman um, in Bruins history to have five-plus seasons with eight or more goals. Mm-hmm. And that's out of uh, – I mean, he started playing in the 2014 season, only played a couple of games that year. At the end of the season, um, the next year he was brought up during during the year after some time uh, in the AHL. Um, in fact, he's only missed the five plus goal mark once uh, eight, after eight a full season or eight plus. He's got. Yeah. Um, eight. eight plus his, eight plus goals. his first full season, 13, 14. 14, uh, that was uh, 14 goals in 79 games. Um, he's consistently been one of the top 10 defensemen uh, for offensive production basically his whole career. Um, Looking at this list, and <clears throat> uh, let's see, uh, just a couple of names off of this list because uh, being among this 10 is no small feat and, and nothing to be laughed at or joked about. I mean, uh, number seven, see. Brad Park. Yep. Number five, Eddie Shore. Number four, some guy named Bobby. I don't know. He's uh, been, uh, can't pronounce it. It's not got enough letters. O R R or I thought yeah. it was spelled O A R, but Bobby or uh, guy ahead of him, some guy named Chara. 
And then the, the, the one at the top, oh, and I don't want to skip over Dick Clapper, who was way before we were born. But mm-hmm. And then Ray Bork, some guy at number one with uh, 21 seasons of eight-plus goals. Yeah, I if mean. I'm reading that list right. And even, let's see. Even the non-Hall of Famers on this list. Of which there aren't. Uh, there, were, there aren't many. <laughs> well, are still five, guys. five are in the Hall of Fame, uh, if I'm reading this right. would be. <laughs> The guys who aren't in the Hall of Fame would Are still gone. have a bidding war as UFAs, and they're anywhere near their prime. Anywhere uh, near their prime. Glenn Wesley, in his prime, absolutely someone is coming to sign him. Even Mike O'Connell, who is arguably, if you're going to call it a worst, the worst player on the list. I don't think he's the worst player on the list. He just only has five, so you got to go. Still, is still going to be someone that teams are chasing. He was a he was a solid defenseman back in the day. Yes, so was Glenn Wesley. Spent most of his career in Hartford slash Carolina. Yeah. But Brad Park, Eddie Shore. I mean, the Hall of Famers on the list, and Chara is. If if you don't believe that Chara is going to be in the Hall of Fame, um. You need to check your NHL fan card at the door and, and slowly walk away because, yeah, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. So that would be six. I would suggest some oxygen therapy, honestly, because <laughs> uh, clearly there is not enough, not enough of it rising above your neck. So you're talking 60 percent of this list in the Hall of Fame. I mean, currently 50, but 60 percent of this list in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's. That's really good company, and for this guy to still be unsigned, maybe he's waiting until the season ends, but if he's waiting that long, he's not giving himself a whole lot of uh, he's not giving himself a whole lot of wiggle room because this team is most likely going to go deep into the playoffs. I don't want to predict anything. It's not that time of the year. But I don't think he's given him. I don't think Sweeney's given himself enough wiggle room if he's waiting until after they're done. No, uh, Tory Krug should have been signed at the earliest point possible. So the end of last season, after the Cup or just as camp started, um, there's there's little, I can't think of any valuable excuse for the Boston Bruins not to extend and retain yeah. Tory Krug. I don't. I'm. Uh, I am. Uh, is he I'm, asking for twenty well, million a year? Okay. If the answer is no, just sign him. I. I. I mean, are we waiting? Is this the situation where uh, the little kid waiting to see if something better comes along? I, I mean, I don't. I'm. I'm not grasping. Uh, are you assuming that Sweeney is the little kid, or yes? Okay, of the defensemen who have been as productive or more in the last five years, six years, who do you actually expect to be available this uh, on the market this year? None. 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 I don't. And and <laughs> to be quite honest, that's why I'm saying I don't understand what he's what he's trying to prove here. I I have absolutely no idea. This can't but, be a thing where you're trying to hold out to see if he. If there's some way, and and God forbid, if he's actually hoping that he gets to a situation where he can sign him for less money because something happened that we, uh, but 
I don't, I, I just, I can't fathom it. This is a guy who, he's been meeting and exceeding uh, All milestone, milestones uh, throughout this season. And this is just another one, top 10. This is an undrafted player who you're getting better production from than most first round picks. In fact, you're getting better production from him than any of the defensemen taken uh, in the top five uh, in the last decade and a half. It's that simple. There's, there's literally no reason not to sign him. I would be inclined to agree, and I don't know what the holdup is. Um, I, and I don't, and I don't think we're going to get told either. So, uh, now you mentioned another defenseman, and you are right. Um, he also wears the black and gold, um, and we kind of disagree on this one because uh, I thought. I was not in any way surprised that Lozon got um, got the match penalty, and I was I for that surprised reason surprised that he got two games. See, i i was surprised I, I was surprised at the I was surprised at the two games for the reason that he got the match penalty in game. Uh, first time offender. Granted, he hasn't played much to really be a repeat offender, but. As far as I know, there hasn't been any of these incidents in the AHL. Yeah. So we're not talking about uh, an Evander Kane or a Brad Marchand or somebody who's considered a repeat offender, quote-unquote. He got the match penalty in-game, which doesn't happen very—I hate to say it uh, because I shouldn't have to, but— if it's that serious, he's one of this is one of the times where the match penalty was given in game. Usually it's either a two minute penalty is called or no penalty is called. Fans are in an uproar and both teams are in an uproar. And then finally the league comes down and says, Okay, we're gonna suspend him and it's like, ah but this time they got it right on the ice. They should have let it that should have been it, uh, except for maybe a fine. I don't think it warrants the two game suspension. And how do you how do you uh, uh, enforce it? Because if he goes back down, the two games up here in the NHL don't carry over, no, as far do. as I know, to the yeah. AHL. I, I think he would still be suspended uh, for um, eligibility for his next appearance or recall to Boston. Okay. I mean, theoretically, if someone is never coming up to the NHL again, it doesn't matter. But uh, I think that's not well, going to be the case. I don't think that's the case here. Lozon has shown that he can handle himself. He, he's an he's, NHL player. It's just a matter of whether the Bruins have roster space for him. Um, Evander Kane managed to pick up a three-game suspension for an equally stupid hit. Okay, not surprised at this one. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Evander, um, there are times... And you and I both love him. You have loved him, I guess, longer than I have, and, and you love when I say that, but I have I have joined uh, since his time after Winnipeg, I believe it was. It, yeah. Uh, the guy is clearly a power forward. 
but he, he is does stupid things. talented and occasionally a bonehead. Yes. Um, and this he's was not one of those times. The, he's not into the Sean Avery, Dan Carcillo no. area, but he does some boneheaded stuff every once in a while. Yes. In much the same way as, you know, Corey Perry has or even Joe Thornton. Um, I mean, it's proof that this is an it's proof that this is an emotional game. And sometimes the guys wear their hearts on their sleeves. They hate, can't hide their emotions. But it's an emotional, it's a passionate game. And yeah, if somebody feels wrong, somebody's doing. But watching this video, uh, there's he was going to hit him just fine. He didn't need to raise the arm and hit him with the elbow. It, it was just plain dumb. Yes. Um, if you want to imagine for just a moment where Kane is a dual position player, imagine him sliding back to center and playing between the Kachuk brothers. <laughs> yes. Uh, a certain a certain movie from the eighties comes to mind, although not quite that. More in the physical, more in the physicality than the 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 stupidity. But yeah, that would well, be. I think that I mean, would be entertaining at the very least. I mean, that's a that's a line where you could legitimately have three guys with thirty goals, a hundred points, and a hundred penalty minutes. For each position, yes. For each player. <laughs> I mean, just wow. The, just the raw physicality and pure skill of those three guys together. Oh, it, it should legitimately be every every hockey fan's dream. Did Pionk end up leaving? That's the one thing I don't know. Did Pionk end up leaving the game for any stretch of time? Was he actually injured or did he just? I did not. I do not remember. I remember seeing the game, but I think that he was fine. Uh, But don't quote me because I really, really don't remember. It was a late night game and I had, I believe that was on immediately after a Bruins game. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I hadn't seen it live. I did watch a video. But the video just went into a replay of and and the announcer saying that yeah he did get the elbow up it's a it, it's gonna be a clean hit but then he gets the elbow up and it's like yeah he, that was dumb <laughs> that was while we're uh, while we're swimming in San Jose um, oh goodness do we have to talk about San Jose no. <laughs> We we need to talk about San Jose. We haven't. The word, uh, the, the word terrible comes to mind, but uh, we've known all season that their goaltending has been <clears throat> ungood. Suspect. Ungood. Ungood. Okay. Um, although Aaron Dell has managed to climb all the way to a 9/11 save percentage, which which Not is amazing that, that we're saying climb to. Well, they were both under a 90 at one point in the season back, I want to say, late December, early January, I believe it was. But, yeah, they were both sub-90 save percentages, and both of them were above three goals allowed per uh, three goals against. But San Jose is also, I mean, their goaltending has been bad, There's just and their defense hasn't really helped much. But the thing that's... It's, it, and, and it's... Oh, go ahead. They are 27th in the league, as in 26 teams better than them, uh, in goals for. With goaltending as bad as theirs has been, you can't succeed like that. 
they don't exactly have. I mean, let's see who's uh, they've lost. They've lost Tomas Hurdle. They've the lost. The Lo- they've lost Logan Couture. Yep. Granted, he should be back sometime either late this month or next month or something. I, it was an ankle thing, if I'm not mistaken. Um, ankle or a leg? Lower body injury. There you go. Sure. Um, Ready to LBI. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kane suspended. This is the second time this season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Timo Meyer got off to a slow start this year. Uh, a very slow start this year. It. They haven't had that. Uh, there hasn't been the same emphasis on off. Uh, the, the, the offense just hasn't been there. It hasn't been the same, and they're relying on defensemen that aren't defensemen. Sorry, uh, and now they've lost Eric Carlson, broke his thumb, done for the season. Uh, so it doesn't appear to me great. that there's. It doesn't appear to me that there's a lot to look forward to. And it's nice that Aaron Dell is, is rising above the pack. Is this a situation where Matt Martin Jones is, he's clearly better than this. I'm not saying that he's Ken Dryden or Terry Sawchuk or Martin Brodeur, but he's clearly better than what he's doing now. Is this, is this an issue where he's just done? He wants out of San Jose. I mean, it doesn't make sense for him to play like this because nobody's going to want him if they see this kind of effort. But I I don't know if it's as much wanting out of San Jose as I kind of wonder if he believes that the team in front of him actually helps him. I mean, outside of Mark Edward Vlasic and possibly Brendan Dillon, and I'm not a huge Brendan Dillon fan. um, Yeah, the rest of that defense mostly isn't yeah Tim Heat is nothing to write home about Mario Ferraro I probably couldn't pick out if he walked into a bar and bought me a drink um and uh Burns and Carlson uh and Carlson unfortunately last year with the with the groin injury and now I mean Okay, you can't you can't say a guy who broke his thumb is injury prone, but he hasn't exactly no, been. No, Carlson is injury prone. He's got okay. more durability. He's had multiple lower body injuries. He's had, I think, he had rib or back injuries at one point, and now a thumb injury that's going to take him out for the rest of the year. And it's February. They've got February. They've got twenty million dollars on injured reserve. That's. True. And it's only three players. Uh, it's actually 26. Well, if you, fa- if you fact hurdle. in, if you factor in hurdles, long-term injured reserve. Yeah, that's true. 26. But Carlson, 11 and a half. Couture, eight. Wow. I just, and, I. But those guys haven't been injured all season. I mean, at this point, the fact that they're 27th in scoring is is due to a long-term trend of inability to put the puck in the net. Um, Fair enough. I mean, they've got some good young talent. I like Kevin LeBanc. I really do. If I was going to go after somebody on this team, I like Kevin LeBanc. In fact, if they want to 
get rid of him for a million dollars, but he's an RFA. But if they want to deal him, I'd look into that, actually. Um, maybe for your, your Detroit friends. You don't like Kevin LeBanc? Uh, I'm not, again, I'm I don't, not saying... I don't like Kevin LeBanc enough to replace anyone who's currently in Boston with him. I think a lot of his production is pure ice time. Uh, okay. This is his fourth season. Yeah, no, it, fair enough. He played, he, he's, he's gone not a up. bad player. He's gone up in goal scoring every year. Which I mean, is good. Uh, he, he does put the puck in the net. I, I don't know. I, I, I think we could do, I think we could do worse. We could certainly do better as well. I still, and I'm sure at some point we'll get into it. Maybe not in this show, but. Uh, as far as trades and possible players, I know we we've talked about it in passing before. I don't. Know, it just I, there's some. Are they too old? Are they? They got two forty-year-olds clearly in Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe. Uh, but They're the rest of it's a lot of twenties. There, there's no middle ground. That's that may well be part of it is the lack of middle ground. The guys who are at their peak and can can carry a team and know how to, you know, both pace themselves and push uh, to the limit. And Doug Wilson's another one, another GM that's clearly got his work cut out for him because outside of Kane and Meyer and some couple of guys on, on the injured list, uh, most of that team contracts are done this year. Yeah. They've got a handful that are done next year, but most of them are done this year. Bunch of UFAs. Do you, you know, Marlowe, do you re-sign him? Probably not. I would hope not. And, yeah, that GM has a lot of work to do. Yeah, Doug Wilson is uh, going to find that it, it's not so much fun uh, trying to put the team back together when you're, when you're struggling. No. Um, my question is... What does Jeff Ward have to do to have the interim go away in his job title? Uh, let's see. We'll start from the goaltender out. David Riddick is not a number one goaltender. Um, but what does that have to do with Jeff Ward? Well, they need to perform. They need to perform, unfortunately, before Jeff Ward is, is going to uh, get any kind of recognition. And... Are they, if I'm not mistaken, are they still not where they should be in the standings? Interesting question. Um, I guess it depends on what you believe the ceiling for this team is. Uh, If you believe that they're supposed to be the best team in the Western Conference, no, they're not there. Um, Right now, they are two uh, two points out of a Pacific. I think they're actually, what is it? They're holding one of the wild card spots at the moment um, in the West. I just They hold the first wild card. Yes. Um, and they're only, what is that, uh, two points behind Vegas and three points behind Calgary. Although uh, Edmonton and I'm Calgary mean. have both played less games. 
Okay, and then there's Vancouver at 69 points. So, that yeah, three points behind Vancouver, two points behind Vegas and Edmonton. For me? Their goal differential is a minus 12. Everybody else is in the green. And that goes back to, I think, in part, the goaltending. I, I'm not sold on Riddick. The goaltending oh. has improved in the past month or two. Yes, Cam Talbot has certainly improved. David Riddick's going the wrong way. Um, I think for me, if I'm sitting in the uh, corner office up in Calgary, do they win their first round matchup? Getting into the playoffs and dying in five games isn't enough. I honestly think that I honestly think that uh, Treliving is waiting until after the playoffs to to evaluate and make a decision. I don't know what I I can't say it's a good idea, it's a bad idea. I think that they should be constantly evaluating because that team is underperforming compared to what they showed last year and it's pretty much the same team. You swapped out James Neal for Lucic, but you pretty much brought back the same the same on-ice staff. So what's the issue? Has everybody else caught up to you or are you underperforming? Um, and I don't know that you can entirely blame Jeff Ward for that. Um, he, I mean, he came in as a replacement. Um, yeah, for a knucklehead. For someone who earned their way not to being an NHL coach. Um, you put that so, so professionally. Yeah, I mean, it would be it, – it's a lot easier to call someone a uncouth jerk or uh, – but, yeah, there's really no excuse for the stuff that was done both as part of the Calgary organization and elsewhere. Um, yeah. They, and I really don't want to get into it again. I don't either. But as far as Jeff Ward, I think that – I think he needs to – I think he needs to play off victory here. I think yeah. they need to even if even if they do skate in as as the first wild card seed, yeah, underperforming during the regular season, but you still made the playoffs. Get in there, win a playoff series, and I think that that will go a long way to removing that interim tag. Uh, or, if they can some, or if they can somehow jump back up into first place in the Pacific, again, the, not the toughest division in hockey. Ooh. You've been practicing your understatements. I mean, yes, that, clearly. <laughs> that's like saying that there are some pretty profound different uh, similarities between water and ice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, but see, I don't think just making it uh, to first in the Pacific is in any way useful because, yeah, not a tough division. Um, I think you have, you have to win. And I don't care if you go in as the set, as the second wild card, the first wild card, or the first, uh, or you grab a division banner. Um, I don't think it's at all relevant. Um, it's all about win, win around. Even if even if in the second round you come down to earth and you get beat, um, I think as long as they're not swept in the second round. They're probably good. He's probably going to get it. Okay. 
So anything anything outside of a sweep in the first round and he's okay? Mm-mm. Second round. And then, he has oh, to win the first round. He has to win the first round. Thank you. Okay, that's and what I said too. And then not yeah. get swept in the second round. Okay. Even if it's four, even if it's four one, as long as he doesn't bow out in four. Pretty much. I mean, losing in five, losing badly in five games where they score one goal in their win and have a shutout, and then have like nineteen, uh, nineteen goals against in the other four games, might not work out as well for him. Um, I suspect there would be some pretty serious roster turnover, uh, but I, I think that he can secure the head coaching job, assuming he wants it, because it's been a long time. Uh, he's been around the NHL a long time and not gotten the head coaching spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not rooting I, against him. I just think that, yeah, he, he's got to show that he can lead them to some kind of a victory in the playoffs. Um, let's see where to just, next. No, just, uh, I was just going to throw this in as a, as a full stop final period final. They are 17th. If, if you look at standings and you look at league overall, cause Boston is number one, they are 17th in the standings. So care about guess, as average care, as it gets. Care to guess how many, care to guess how many of the 16 teams ahead of them are, Minus in the goal differential category? Zero? That would be correct. They are the first team at at number 17. They are the first team to have a minus number. The 16 teams ahead of them are all plus in the goal differential. And then three teams after them are plus. So what you're saying is they're going to be look, they're going to be buyers at the deadline. Uh, and my guess is they're looking for either some way to keep the puck away from the goaltender or put the puck in the net. And I'm not sure exactly what they need. I'd have to do a little bit deeper digging into that roster. Um, and one of the one of them might end up being uh, uh, the fix might end up being right there on the bench, and that's making Cam Talbot the number one. I don't know that's that. Rick, interesting. I don't know that Riddick was ready for it. He had Mike Smith last year to fall back on, and Mike Smith was actually the number one, and Riddick was his backup. And now with Cam Talbot behind him, Cam Talbot's been the number one, both in uh, New York with the Rangers and in Edmonton. So it's not like... Riddick's got somebody behind him and he doesn't have to look over his shoulder and maybe that's part of the problem but Riddick has just been uh, a whole lot of meh lately and Cam Talbot's been lighting it up so and they could really go either way either adding at the back end where they're I don't think they're going to make a move for a goalie I'm just saying that 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 might be back end goalie defense um because they're 14th, uh, they're the 14th highest goals against uh, in the league, mm-hmm. and they're at 3.08. Um, and offensively, they're not particularly good at uh, 22nd in the league with 2.8 goals. Uh, I mean, the span, the difference between you know 17 uh, Montreal's 2.95 and uh, Arizona, who is in a playoff spot as well, 2.7 isn't that high. But 
you know, uh, Montreal, well, actually the, the Arizona Coyotes at least are allowing less goals than that. Uh, but even Dallas is behind them in goals production. So it, it's going to come down to which who's the best player that they can add uh, to tip their balance. Um, and that's that's a good question because I don't know who's selling. Um, I really – there's a lot of teams who are so close to – who are so close to a playoff spot or in a playoff spot by a narrow margin. I don't know that anyone knows who's going to get moved. Uh, and I hate to say, I mean, um, yeah, Bruce, this is, it, it's, it's bad for. Bruce I even, of the sun. Oh, okay. Yeah. What thinks about? that, um, Vincent Trocek could be available. He's really? a center right wing. Um, if he can add some offense up there, that tips the balance in that direction. And he's not a bad two-way player. Um, if he, I mean, I think he's a better fit for Boston's needs. Um, because I, mean, I think that he can play a wing. I mean, uh, I, I still think that, they need to leave Charlie at a center position, but just, I don't know what I, like I said, I need to, I need to do some more digging and I can't do that while we're sitting here. Gavin, I will say that Cam Talbot is, uh, many, many places better than Cam Talbot has a nine nineteen save percentage. Uh, yeah, David Riddick, 907. David Riddick is 46th in the league in save percentage. Cam Talbot is uh, 15th. Um, yeah, now, there's granted, a small difference. Granted, Cam hasn't played nearly as many minutes as, as Riddick, and maybe that's part of it too, but uh, Cam Talbot has only played 1,132 minutes. And David Riddick has played twenty, almost twenty five hundred, so we're talking twice as much. I get it. I'm not trying to compare them outright apples to oranges. I'm just saying that Cam Talbot has starting goaltender chops. He's done it in the past. He looks good. Currently, he's currently he's playing well. Maybe David needs a break. He's he's never been the number one. Sure. That's what I'm saying, and that might be that might be just one of easy decisions for Jeff Ward. Uh, I know a lot of our hockey, a lot of our listeners uh, watch a lot of hockey and follow the hockey news uh, pretty tightly. Uh, I found this quote really, really fascinating, um, and I think that it's one of the more telling quotes about what a general manager legitimately expects and should expect from a team. Um, and I, I love the fact that he's not pulling any punches or sugarcoating anything. But was he like that? I he mean, was a lot we, like that as a player. I was going to say, should we not be expecting that from this man in his current position based on how he played in the NHL to begin with? Oh, absolutely. Um, here's the quote. Uh, I can promise you this. If there is quit, there will be more trades. 
So I wholeheartedly expect this team to complete to compete for a playoff spot. We're right there. And if there's any signs of anybody taking their foot off the gas, that will be an indication. Bill Guerin after Jason Zucker's trade. Um, the NHL needs more fire. Uh, I, I understand that, you know, hockey is that the analytics have a very important place in objectively determining determining which player brings more offensive value or defensive value. By the way, but not it's for an emotional game. It's oh, clearly. If you're not emotionally engaged, forget about it. You can't succeed in this league. Taking the emotion out of it for just a really quick second, though. He traded Jason Zucker to Pittsburgh. Granted, Pittsburgh's probably going to squeak into the playoffs. They always manage to do so. Yep. But he got Galchenyuk. Eh. A first-round pick. He got himself a first-round pick. Yep. And a, to- and a top prospect. Yep. I don't think he actually. Trade. I don't think it was actually a bad deal for Minnesota. I no, this I, mean, is, I mean, I understand why Bill's doing it. He's. It seems like he's trying to make a point. Pittsburgh certainly needs the goal scoring because they don't have Gensel for like the rest of the year. Um, and his first trades as a general manager go. That, that's I'm not a bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's actually not a bad haul. <laughs> Galchenyuk. Yeah, you could go either way on him and and. Uh, and clearly, Jerry's still out on Kalen Addison, but he's regarded as a top prospect. And but he comes out first round pick. Granted, it's probably going to be in the teens or or twenty or low twenties. But damn, not I mean, bad. Effectively, you got yourself two first round picks and a and a uh, and a prospect for a guy that you didn't expect to see back next year, anyways. So I yeah I I. Actually, I like I said, taking the emotion out of it. And Bill Guerin, I believe, is an emotional player. Watching him the way he played, he played, he played hard. He played gutsy. He he gave his effort. There was there was 110 percent on the ice every shift that he played, as far as I could tell. And he played and he played a number of years here in Boston. So, even if it's his second, I'm not probably the first one that actually counts, though, given that he traded Gustav Borneman. Uh, to the Panthers for <clears throat> future considerations back on August 23rd. Can I tell you something about future considerations? They uh, are my favorite place to get uh, to get a draft preview. Uh, yeah, and oh, by the way, when you trade somebody for future considerations, usually it's you're just getting rid of that player. Yeah. <laughs> You, there's no desire. You're not concerned with the come with what coming back. Uh, it's kind of like in baseball, they trade players for cash considerations. Yeah, yeah. the cash considerations are the postage. On, on, <laughs> That's on how much it costs to the fax. <laughs> That's how much it costs to fax and or mail the current deal to the other team, and how much it's going to cost to ship his equipment from uh, here to his new place. Yeah. That's cash considerations. I just I think that it's good that he he he's putting it out there that he's actually in charge because I think that he was sort of sitting back when he first got the job. And, yeah, he was doing a lot of evaluating. And uh, as we talked about uh, head coach Jeff Ward, unfortunately, we have a head coach who 
isn't going to have that option, at least not with the Wild, because Bruce Boudreau has been fired by Bill Guerin. Uh, time. Well, I've been asking the question all season long, how does this guy still have a job? I mean, they, granted, they were making the playoffs, but just barely. And then when you make it into the playoffs and in a five-game set, you score a whopping eight goals. You're not even averaging two goals a game. No. Uh, it pretty much looks like you've abandoned Devin Dubnik during those during those games because I think he probably averaged like 33, 34 shots a night. It was it was scary and Boudreau is I I like him but he just he seems level and even I haven't seen the and, and I know he has fire I've seen it in the past but I haven't seen it this year I haven't seen the the extra ugh, the 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 demeanor, the 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 real. I haven't seen him really want it. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's just me. I'm not seeing him enough. Whatever. But he just hasn't seen. And finally, Bill Guerin has has done what he had to do. And and Dean Everson is taking over as the dreaded interim. Yeah. Uh, but I wasn't surprised at it. I think the I think the surprise was that for me was that he actually did it now. I think he was going to have to do it. Oh, there was no question that uh, the the only way Bruce Boudreaux could have kept his job is had the Minnesota Wild come out of the gate, been in a playoff spot at the end of October, and held on to it consistently right up to uh, up to the end of the regular season. That was the only way he was getting a second season under under Garen. He went 158, 110, and 35 with the Wild. He was with the he was he's been with the Capitals and the Ducks before yep. coming to the Wild. Uh, he's made the playoffs in ten of his thirteen seasons. I, I I'm not saying he's a terrible coach. It's just. I don't think he's the right fit. I don't. I really don't. And not for nothing, but I think part of the biggest issue for the Minnesota Wild is since they stopped playing the quote-unquote trap, they've been playing the same fairly milquetoast brand (laughs) of hockey for over a decade. Like, they're not super aggressive. They're not passive a hundred percent, but there's nothing. There's no there's no sharp edge to their game. Their defense doesn't cut you down and uh, humiliate you like uh, Nashville's did three or four years ago. Um, their forwards aren't scoring so many goals that it's just an embarrassment to be on the ice with you. Um, and they're not enough of a two-way team that there's body contact every square inch of the ice. They're just they're gray goo. I don't think that Bill, I don't think I don't think Bruce Boudreaux is going to be sitting around. I mean, he, I think he, he'll sit around as long as he chooses to. I don't think that he's going to be waiting. Uh, if you make the playoffs 10 out of your 13 NHL seasons as a coach, yep. uh, I think the I think the phone's going to be ringing. I don't think he's going to be sitting around long, but I just and plus I don't think it, it, as it states in the art in the articles I've read, 
and I agree. I don't think he's Bill Guerin's guy. Bill Guerin's never had any experiences with Bruce. Uh, typically, when a new GM comes in, they usually want to bring in, quote unquote, their guys. Uh, and and plus the 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 night before it, it the game that he got fired the the game the night before he got fired, they weren't dictating the terms. They lost three to one to the Rangers. And I think that's what really stuck in Garen's craw is that he doesn't seem to be forceful. Yeah, forceful. There's There's no volition to uh, to games that he's coached there. And I think that's both both Bruce Boudreaux and the players. Uh, The trade is I think I think more than the coach, the trade is overdue. Um. I don't think I'm not sitting here saying that Jason Zucker was the biggest problem on the team, but Jason Zucker was probably the biggest problem on the team that someone was asking for. Well, he was a movable piece, so he saw, I mean, yeah, he you, addresses you make two problems. You make a splash without trading away uh, your best players, whoever that may be on that team. It's tough to tell, I think. Uh, uh, at this point, it's. Probably Dumba and yeah, there you go, Dumba <laughs> and uh, they have a lot of they do have a lot of young on that team. As far as I know, they have Erickson Act, they have Jordan Greenway, BU, they have Ryan Donato, Harvard. <laughs> they they do have some uh, uh, northeast ties on that on that squad. They do still have some older gentlemen. They have Stahl. They have Miku Koivu. Uh, Parise and obviously Ryan uh, uh, Ryan Suter. Uh, not Scandella. Spur- Spurgeon's still there. Spurgeon's, Spurgeon's still there. He's only thirty, so not quite older yet. No, no. I'm just. It, I think there's still a. I think there's still good good potential there. But it's uh, stagnant. I think they that's, need some. They that's need the, yeah. The term for the roster. They need a rudder, and right now I don't. I don't know that Bruce. I I have to agree with Bill here. I don't think Bruce was the right, uh, right fit. Um, someone has finally, uh, someone in Detroit has finally said that it's time to blow up the Red Wings. Really? Who was it? <laughs> uh, the Detroit Free Press. It has a neat little article talking about what the Red Wings might do at the deadline. And by the Red Wings, he definitely means a certain, a certain Steve. Um, it's a, it's a, Oh, I'm sorry. It's Helene James. Um, if you don't know who Helene St. James is, uh, I can't help you. Yeah, um, really. I have to agree with that one. <laughs> I have to agree with that. Um, there's a bunch of names on the list. Uh, in a pretty deep article, um, Jonathan Bernier is on the list. Uh, he's 31, has a $3 million cap hit. Um, he has played well since mid-October. I, I think he'll be gone. Mike Green is perpetually talked about in the trade. Bye-bye. Uh, in the trade market. Uh, Darren Helm. Uh, Bye-bye, whatever way you can. Yeah. Although, although as a two-way player, I guess he still has he still holds some sway. He's a he's a he's a defensive forward, but yeah, I think that yeah, bye he's bye. done. Bye bye. 
Uh, for me, the one name that's most interesting uh, is a guy that I think we talked about maybe three weeks ago for um, for just about 30 seconds. Obviously, we talked about Larkin and Manta. Um, we did skip over Ronick. Andre uh-huh. Saffin to see you. Yeah, you know, you know the 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 gesture that those that that the bad guy does in the movies when he rubs his hands together like he's he's anticipating you know, the the his his dish or whatever. I'm doing that right now because if if Steve wants to get rid of him, uh, I'm willing to put my hand up and say, yeah, you could send him here. I mean, the- it depends on the cost, of course, but I like Andreas Athanasiu, always have. Here's the here's the rub though. He's having a pretty terrible season. Uh, <clears throat> Detroit. Um, if he was having a pretty terrible season on a top five team. That's a different story. Or a top fifteen team. <laughs> or a top twenty five team for that matter. <laughs> and I agree with you there. But it takes something special to be over or to have a worse plus minus than games played. He is at minus 45 in just 43 games, and that's having scored 22 points. I personally a think that if he lands... A, a team eyeing a playoff run would be getting a fast forward with upside. And something tells me that in the right locker room, they're not going to let that happen. Minus See, 45. I think that I legitimately believe that if you put him on most of the contenders rosters, whether you add him and, or most of the playoff teams rosters, um, whether it's Phoenix, whether it's, um, Columbus, whether it's Boston, whether it's, uh, Vancouver, that number is going to vastly improve because it really can't get any worse. It is the worst in the league this year. Um, but I think he would be greatly reinvigorated, uh, just to be, just to know that he's going to make the playoffs for the first time in numerous years. Uh-huh. Uh, he does uh, hit. He is an RFA after the year, so I believe he's arbitration eligible. Um, mm. Okay. Um, I. I'm. I. I am cautiously optimistic about him landing Not. someplace good. Not arbitration eligible. But, oh, wow. Uh, so if you can get uh, him. No, he is. Nope, he is. I stand corrected. He is. I like getting you excited like that, but still, ooh, I, I don't know. Uh, I think you still. <sighs> I think I, if, if Detroit can move him, particularly if they can pick up a couple of useful young defensemen or, um, or just fill out some depth on the team with a couple of players who are going to be younger and healthier than some of the old guys on their roster, they should do it. You don't want to give him up because I, I mean, he's a 30 goal scorer. I don't think that was a fluke. Um, but if you can pick up, you've got a first round, you get all your first round picks, uh, all your second round picks and all your third round picks the next three years. Um, you have Washington's second round pick, which isn't going to be all that great this year. Um, and you have third round picks this year from San Jose, which should be better th- about the same as yours. Um, 
and you have Vegas's third round pick for next year, you can pick up a second round pick, a solid roster player, um, or two solid prospects uh, for having to see you. I I think you have to do it. I really think you have to pull the trigger. If you're Stevie, yes. Um, because there's, I don't, I don't see. I think Athanasiu is too emotional a player to spontaneously recover in a bad in a non-winning environment. Like I think trading him to Buffalo probably makes him worse, even though he would make the team better, or it doesn't necessarily improve him. Need, all right. Andreas Athanasiu needs to go somewhere where there are those middle ground, that middle ground that we talked about with the Wild. He's currently on a team where everybody is between 23 and 25 years old, except for Franz Nielsen, who's 35, Darren Helm, who's 33, uh, Phil Pula, who I think Steve brought in because he knew him from his days in Tampa Bay, is yeah. 35. Um, there are four 30 year olds and then every four 30 plus year olds. And then everybody else is 23 to 25. Yeah. There's no 28, 29 year olds. Oh, I'm sorry. There's one. There's there's uh, 18 or 19 year olds to be a good example for either. He, he needs, he needs to be in a locker room. And yes, I'm going to use the Bruins because they have that mix. They have the I mean, Charas. They have the youth, but they have the middle grounds. You got the Tory Krugs. You got you got the 27, 28, 29. It, it, guys who can set the example, but yet they're not so old that you're calling them grandpa in a hockey sense. Oh, yeah. If you put him on Krejci's right side with uh, DeBrusque on the left, uh-huh. you finally have a second line instead of a second, third line. Well, you have a second line and you have David Krejci saying, wait up guys. <laughs> but he's been saying that his whole career, <laughs> even to Lucci. <laughs> this is true. I'm trying not to really stomp on the guy though, bringing up Lucci. <laughs> uh, and I think, I think that he more- needs, he just needs that. It, it, it's it's not so much that he needs, uh, he needs that guidance. He needs something that he can look for because basically he looks around the locker room and they're all the same age as him. Yeah, like seventy percent of that room is between, as you said, between twenty three and twenty five. Um, Larkin, Larkin twenty three, Anthony Mantha's twenty five, Anthony is twenty five, and he's at the top end of it too. That twenty. Yeah. So he's actually got to be one of the guys looked up to. Uh, Bertuzzi's 24. Adam Ernie, who they acquired, is 24. Robbie Fabry, who was acquired, is 24. Brendan Perlini's 23. And then Christopher N. from, uh, I forget where he came from, Tampa Bay, the Rangers, something like that. Christopher N. is 23. My goodness, man. I understand where he's trying to go. Eisenman is trying to start over, basically, and he's trying to figure out what he's got for youth, what he's got for where he can build on, and what he needs to move. I understand all that. But I think Detroit needs to temper expectations, too. They've been in the playoffs so much that it's just expected. It's like being here in Boston. 
it's just expected playoffs are going to come, championships are going to come. Uh, unfortunately, you're in the valley right now up there in Detroit, and you need to start climbing out. And Steve's going to lead you there, but you got to give him your patience and your understanding a little bit. And not for nothing, but I'm not entirely certain that their that their prospect pool is all that marvelous. Well, Murray's side is pretty good, but <laughs> I think we can agree there. And I, I would say that uh, Chalowski is probably going to be Dennis Chalowski is really good. I like him actually. But most of the rest, eh. I think he said. I think Dennis Chalowski is back in the minors because I think that Steve's trying to protect him a little from any bad habits he might learn while being with the Wings. Yeah. And I think that you need to, you may even need to, despite despite what we just said about the all of the old guys on the roster who are well past their prime, you might need to bring in someone who is pretty close to a mascot at this point and hasn't resigned themselves to it, um, who can be that driving voice for the next year or two until one of the younger guys just takes over. Uh, because remember, this team doesn't have a captain, which well, may or may not be of value. I think that I, I think that that's, I mean, they've got four guys who have worn the A. Uh, but yeah, I don't think that there is somebody on this roster that can clearly be captain. Uh, and I think that's why Steve's gone that way. There really is. I mean, Abdul Kader, maybe, because he's been around. He was around the last time they would stand, the last time they won a cup, the last time that they won. I mean, Abdul Kader's been a Red Wing all of his career. I think if you're going to name anybody, it would probably be him before Franz Nielsen. But or Mike Green, yeah. Maybe Mike Green, but he hasn't been. He's only been around a couple of years. And Trevor Daly, for all that he's won cups in a couple of different cities, he's 36 years old, putting and a UFA at this point, putting the uh, putting the C on his chest just seems it honestly seems like a slap in the face to anyone else. Look at it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, so <clears throat> Stevie's got to deal with eight RFAs at the end of the season. Yep. Not the one or two normally a team deals with. Eight. <laughs> and five and five UFAs. Eight RFAs. That alone tells you how young this team is because these guys are all still on uh, these guys are all still under RFA protection, so to speak. And the four I mean the the four their four oldest defensemen, Green, Erickson, Daly, and Biega. Our all UFAs. Uh huh. I don't think Green's back. Um, Jimmy Howard is UFA, and I don't think he wants to come back next year. Oh no! Wait, that's all next year. No, after you, next year, after okay. this year. Okay. Yeah. No, you had I, your count right. I had the count right. I have the wrong year. 2019-20. Everybody signed. Uh, 2020-21 is when he's got to deal with the eight RFAs. No. My apologies to everyone. No, no, no. You're overthinking it. Stop. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, uh, July 1st is when he has to, is when, well. Oh, that's right. These all move. Yeah, okay. Sorry. 
I had it right the first time. Did you not have your coffee this morning? No, I have not had coffee this morning. Shame, I, shame. I have not had coffee this morning. Uh, so, yeah, eight-hour phase, five-hour wow. phase. I do that not envy Steve. That going to look very, 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 very different um, by uh, July 1st. And don't for a minute believe that, that, that there's not going to be a lot of turnover there. Um, I think we've hit just about everything this week. Um, the one thing that's not going to be turning over, uh, anymore are, uh, the numbers 22 and 33. Uh, We're going to close out with these guys, huh? Okay. Well, I I figured it was appropriate to end with them since, uh, their numbers are not going to be used anymore. Um, most of you probably have heard that the Sedins have had their, uh, jerseys retired. Sent to the rafters. Nice presentation Which, from what little I saw of it. I mean, I saw highlights. I didn't. I we we didn't get the game here clearly, but looked I, like a nice presentation. I guess for a franchise that in nearly fifty years, or it may actually be fifty years at this point, hasn't won a cup. It, it's okay to put these guys in the roster or in the Raptors. And well, yeah, they're like one and two in scoring for the team in history. Um, In the age of free agency, these guys spent their entire careers with that one organization. The organization went out of their way to trade up so that they could draft both brothers one after the other. It's a a feel-good story. Uh, These guys have bled bled Vancouver bluish-green. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, they're, they're... their place offensive with the, offensively with the numbers, yeah. No Stanley Cups, I get that, but they got to the final. I don't, I don't have an issue with this. I mean, I can't see how anybody really would. I don't know that they're Hall of Famers. Uh, That's but, the question. I think if, they do end up in the Hall of Fame. Really? I really do, just because of how long they played. Okay. And I mean, they do have they they won a bunch of division championships, which here mean nothing. But again, for a team that's never won a cup, uh, they mean a whole lot more. Uh, they took the team to the playoffs year after year. Um, they did a lot in the community, which may or may not affect. People. And I think that's a big part of big part of it right there too. I mean, their 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 uh, visibility in the community, the things that they've done for for children and charities and whatnot another reason to retire their numbers because they're personable outside of the nhl arena the ice the the ice rink yeah um i i can think of three or four guys on the or at least two guys on the bruins roster right now whose names will inarguably go into the into the raptors or should anyways one of them wouldn't be six foot nine would it Yes, and he can almost put them there himself. Yeah, pretty uh, <laughs> And the other one is uh, about four numbers higher. And then after that, you're going to have to get into some arguments because um, there's not as much in the way of indi- individual achievement after that. Okay. Uh, but that's that's a great summertime topic. Yeah. 
Oh, by the way, that six foot nine guy that's going to have his number retired and can't hang it. When you cross check a guy in the throat that's like a foot and a half shorter than you, I mean, how much effort does that really take? Oh, because you're talking about his $5,000 fine? His, yes, because Chara got himself a $5,000 fine for cross-checking somebody in the throat. Uh, wasn't that Gallagher, and isn't he like five foot ten? And uh, I don't even think he's quite that tall, but go for it. So his arms are like right there. I mean, it's not like he had to lift his arms up to get to – I think that if it was a larger player, he would have hit him in the chest. I don't think Chara was actually trying to hit him in the throat. It's just Gallagher is a shorter individual. I'm not trying to be mean. He, he it's, it's a fact. He's a shorter player. Uh, <laughs> him and Gallagher had been going at it all game, mostly instigated, instigated by Gallagher. It's the um, Canadians. <laughs> and it was fun to watch. It's the Canadians. Um, I'm the not surprised the by the fine. Yeah. No, and then five thousand dollars. It's not like Chara's uh, sweating the check that he's got to write. I mean, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I just wanted. I just when, I, uh, when menti- I mentioning it, him just reminded me of it real quick. That's all. We can we can I wrap found up that interaction both fun and a good sign um, that things are heating back up between these two franchises, even though Ilya Kovalchuk may be traded between the two. I don't know that they make that deal. I, it, it would be intriguing to see Kobe in a Bruin sweater, I, but I just think that Bergeron. I bet his want. points per game. I bet his points per game would be higher than Rick Nash. <laughs> and on that late, and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. Um, Y'all have a great week, and we will be back with a post-deadline show, uh, or no, a pre-deadline show next Sunday. Um, Take care.